God is for us, who could be against us? Amen? It's good to see everybody. Our reading for today is from uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. Let's go to the Lord with prayer. Father in heaven, we give you thanks for all your blessings for you have provided for your children. We know that the deceiver is at work in this world using what Paul describes as hypocritical liars What they teach is always contrary to the truth, your truth. Genesis tells us that what you created was good. The deceiver tells us just the opposite. Sadly, many will believe the deceiver and will turn away from you. Help us never to turn our faces away from you, but always look to you for all our needs and be thankful. As Dave taught us about the full armor of God in Sunday school, help us keep that armor strong, always ready to repel the fiery darts of lies and doubts, and always turn to you for the truth. Be with Steve today as he teaches us from your word. May we be attentive and give you the glory as we listen and learn. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Good morning, Berean. Good morning. Praise team. I love that song, Turning Water into Wine. I'm reminded of the story of a minister who was driving down the road, and he had a thermos he was drinking out of. And he was doing a little bit of weaving in and out of the traffic. And a police officer noticed that, so started following behind this minister who was driving in a reckless manner. Policeman pulled over the minister and says, "Uh, Sir, I notice you're weaving. Uh, What are you drinking in that thermos? And the minister says, I'm just drinking water. And the police officer, let me have a smell of that. And he smelled it. Wait a minute, this isn't water. The minister said, Jesus did it again. (laughs) So I love that song. Thank you for praising him and and Tony for reading the scripture. You know, it's amazing. God's word, the passage that Tony read, we are in the book of Titus, continuing our series, written 2,000 years ago. They had a trouble back then. They had trouble with false teachers. 
They had trouble with false teachers. And the deceiver, Satan, was behind it. And as Tony read that passage, 2,000 years later, do we have a problem today with false teachers? We do. So when the island of Crete had the same problem, and Paul is writing this letter to Titus, he's also writing to us today. The same lessons, the same principles he was trying to teach Titus. He wants Berean Bible to hear this morning. Because we're surrounded by many people giving out false theology. And there's many false teachers. And Satan is behind that. So last week we started the book of Titus. And just a quick review... In Titus chapter 1, verse 4, we read that this book is written from Paul to Titus, my true son in our common faith. Titus was the spiritual child of Paul. On one of Paul's missionary trips, he led Titus to the Lord and then started to disciple Titus and pour into Titus and, and teach him. And Titus became a co-laborer, a partner with Paul. In fact, when the church of Corinth needed some work and needed some visits, Paul sent Titus to the church of Corinth to help out. Now, Titus was a Gentile believer. And at the Jerusalem Council, when the big discussion among the leaders of the church, do Gentile Christians have to become circumcised? Do they have to follow the Jewish law? Paul took Titus with him as evidence A that no, you don't have to follow Jewish law if you're a Gentile believer. And the leaders of the church agreed with Paul. On one of the mission trips, they went to the island of Crete. And we have a map right there. Crete's located in the Mediterranean below modern-day Greece and Turkey, and they had a visit there. And there were many churches already on the island of Crete. I can't say that they were strong churches, but there were many churches there. And after Paul and Titus visited there, it was time for Paul to leave. And he gave Titus a very, very tough job that we read in Titus 1, verse 5. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. The churches there were in bad shape. There was a lot going on. Number one, there were some churches that were really big into Christian liberty. What they taught is once you're saved, you can go ahead and do anything you want. Live any way you want when you're saved. God forgives. His grace will cover you. That's what some of the churches were teaching. Number two, some of those Judaizers, which we read about in the book of Galatians, were also there. The Judaizers taught that once you're saved, not only do you follow Jesus, but you follow the Jewish law. So we had churches like that. 
And then we had many churches that just lacked leadership. There was not enough men to lead the churches. Last week, we looked at 15 qualifications for an elder of a church. It didn't take long on the island of Crete as the early church moved and as churches were established, it did not take long for false teachers to show up. Wherever God sows the truth, Satan is very quick to sow lies. And that's still true today. It's a big problem back then, and it's a problem today. There's many false messengers out there. With that in mind, let's take a look at chapter 1, verse 10 of the book of Titus. For there are many rebellious people, full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. Obviously, the circumcision group is that group, the Judaizers I just mentioned. They were telling the, the believers on Crete, you know, it wasn't, <laughs> it's not very good evangelism pitch. Come forward, accept Christ. Be circumcised. That's not a, not a very good approach, but that's what they were doing to the early believers. To be a Christian, you have to accept Christ and then follow the Jewish law. And they were a very rebellious group because they rejected the authority of God's word and they rejected the authority of God's servants like Paul who said that they did not have to do this. So we see this group right here, and they were meaningless talk. They were full of hot air, a lot of, you know, empty words, empty chatter. And we see that that's also true today. We also see in this verse, uh, and we'll see it in verse 11, that there was, they were out for money as well. Let's take a look at verse 11. They must be silenced because they are disrupting whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. If you have King James Version, you might see they're teaching for filthy lucre. That's where that phrase comes from, Titus 1.11. And unfortunately, that's true today. There's many people in ministry that are in ministry not to serve the Lord or serve those in their congregation. They're there to fill their pockets. A person should never go into Christian ministry to get rich. That's not what Christian ministry is all about. But that's what was happening back then. A true servant of God does not minister for personal gain. They minister because they love the Lord and they want to help other people grow in the Lord. It's very sad, though, that these people were going house to house to house, disrupting the faith of whole households and getting them sidetracked in their faith and adding things to the gospel. I would hate to be them at Judgment Day, that's for sure. You take a look at verse um, 12, and we read this verse last week. 
One of Crete's own prophets has said it. Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. Crete had a terrible reputation. They were morally decaying as a, as a little island, and, and that, was, that reputation had been there for a while. In fact, it comes from the own philosopher, and I, I butchered this guy's name last week. I, I will again. It's Epimenides. I, every time I say it, I say it a different way. But he was a Christian philosopher, and he, so this is a person actually from the island of Crete that's calling his own people liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. And what Paul is trying to stress with Titus is because of the nature of the people of Crete, You've got to do something about this. You have to do it quickly. So take a look at verse 13 and 14. This saying is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to merely human commands of those who reject the truth. Be direct with your message. Have a sense of urgency. You need to get to these churches and set them straight because they're getting a false message from these false teachers. The only weapon against Satan's lies is God's truth. And Paul is telling Titus, you need to get out God's truth. What's the best defense against the counterfeit is when you know the real thing. And Paul wanted Titus to proclaim God's word and get the truth out. I'm going to read from 2 Timothy 4 as a cross-reference because Timothy had the same problem, and Paul gave him similar instructions in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. And we see that today, especially those churches that were encouraging Christian liberty. Hey, once saved, now you can do whatever you want. God forgives. Who doesn't want to hear that? I would love that message. Do whatever you want. God forgives. I'm sure those were large churches that gathered because everybody likes to hear a message like that. But false teaching is like yeast. When you cook, I mean, it, it, the false teaching secretly entered the church and it started to permeate the whole church and pretty soon the whole church was affected by it. The best time to stop false doctrine is when it first 
begins before it has a chance to spread. And this was the message that Paul was given to Titus. You need to do something quickly or it's going to be too late. Step in now, preach the word, proclaim the truth. These Jewish fables, of course, those who followed Judaism had the law, the Torah. They also, years later, added the Talmud, which was an addition, a commentary, you could say. And with their, all their oral traditions, they had some 613 laws that they had to follow. Now, not to point fingers at them, because there's been a lot of Christian churches who have taken God's word, and then they add on their traditions. And sometimes their traditions take on almost the same level of value as God's word, and that should not be. Many Christian denominations have become very legal, legalistic in their teachings, and that's not right as well. Take a look at 15 of Titus 1. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. This verse has been taken out of context and has been misinterpreted. Those that believe in Christian liberty they take this verse and they say, once you're saved or once you're pure, then you can do anything you want because anything becomes pure. What Paul is actually talking about, especially when you combine this with the passage of Scripture that Tony read this morning in 1 Timothy 4, that there was a lot of dietary restrictions in this early church. And what Paul is saying is when you're a Christian and you're pure, it's not the food that comes into you that defiles you. It's what comes out of you that defiles you. In fact, Jesus said the very same thing in Matthew 15, 18, where he says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth comes from the heart and these defile them. Even today, there are some denominations that have a lot of strict dietary laws. Certain foods that you can't eat, that's still true today. And there may be some health reasons, but these dietary restrictions should never take on the importance or the same level as the gospel message of the church. And they were saying in this, these churches in Crete that you believe in Jesus Christ and also you have to follow all these dietary laws. And Paul is saying it's not necessary. These false teachers, their conscience were, were defiled. And the passage again that we read in 1 Timothy 4, it's like... Their conscience were defiled and, as, and they were seared as with a hot iron. These false teachers, they, they loved popularity. They loved money. They loved power. They loved teaching one thing and living another way. 
they did this day after day, and pretty soon their conscience, they, they were defiled. They were no longer convicted by the Holy Spirit. They continued to do wrong. As a Christian, we have the Holy Spirit. When we do wrong, we should be convicted. We should live a pure life. We should strive to be holy as God is holy. It's a process, the process of sanctification. All of us should look back at last year and say, we're more like Christ this year than we were last year. Now, there's going to be some ups and downs. I understand that. But each year, we should be coming more like Christ. We should say, like John the Baptist, when he looked at Jesus, you know, he, he must increase, I must decrease. In our own life, we need, we need to be living for the Lord more and more year after year after year, growing in him. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God, Matthew 5, 8 tells us. Take a look at verse 16. They claim to know God, speaking of the false teachers, they claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. We talked about this last week. There's a big difference between knowing of God and knowing God. And these teachers claim to know God, but by their lives, they did not show that. Rituals and traditions cannot change the heart. Only God's word can change someone's heart. Paul and James were in agreement that faith without works is dead. John Calvin said it this way, faith alone saves, but faith that saves is not alone. Because when a person is truly saved, faith and works, works will follow. Their fruit will show that they're true children of God. These false teachers claim to know the Lord, but their lives did not show it. The question that comes up for us today is, how can we recognize false teachers? They're around us. How can we recognize false teachers? You might be flipping through the TV stations. You might be talking to a worker, a co-worker, about their church that they go to. You might be talking to a family member, a neighbor. And you start talking about where they go to church and the different beliefs. How can you recognize a false teacher? Jesus in Matthew 24, he warned us that false Christ, false prophets, false teachers would, would come and will even attempt to deceive God's elect. Matthew 24 is the section where he talks about end times, the last days. And if you, do you believe we're in the last days? Each day we get one day closer, right? 
Each day we get one day closer. And as we approach, there will be false teachers. And we have to guard ourselves. I mentioned, you know, supposedly in, uh, people that study money or work with money, the way to recognize counterfeit is to study the real thing. It's amazing how people always hold up money. You ever go to the store, people hold up the money to the light? They're looking for something, right? And if you study the, the real thing, you can recognize counterfeit. 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us to correctly handle the word of truth. The Bereans in Acts 17, what were they known for? They examined the scriptures because Paul came. They didn't know who Paul was. So they examined the scriptures. If you want to make sure that you have a true messenger, you need to know the scriptures and compare the two together. Jude, I hope to study the book of Jude soon. It's only one chapter. But in Jude verse 11, speaking of false teachers, says this, they have taken the way of Cain, who had a lot of pride. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's heir. Balaam was a prophet who worked for money. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. Korah was the person who rebelled against Moses, and the ground swallowed him and his followers up. So we do have to beware. Jesus says a tree is recognized by its fruit. So this morning, I have three tests on how you can tell if a person is a false teacher or not. Three tests. There might be a quiz on this. Pay attention. A pop quiz. Okay, no. Just kidding. Number one, what does the teacher say about Jesus? You know, that's a very easy question. Uh, many years ago, I was involved in a group called Evangelism Explosion. And one of the questions that we often let up every conversation was this. Who do you believe Jesus is? You can learn a lot about a person or a teacher by that simple question. Who is Jesus to you? Second John verse 9 says this. Well, let me, before I read that, let me read a passage from Matthew because this is a great question, who is Jesus? In fact, Jesus even asked his disciples the same question. In Matthew 16, verse 15, he gets his disciples together. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And then as I was going ahead into 2 John 9, verses, anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teachings of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Jesus Christ and his work on the cross is of utmost importance when someone talks about Jesus. Be careful of anybody who does not say that Jesus is not God. 
If someone says that Jesus is not God, be very, yeah, run. Or anybody who downplays his sacrificial death on the cross and the resurrection. Or his humanity. Jesus was all man, but all God. And that's what the scriptures say. Because some people say, ah, Jesus was, well, he was a good teacher. Just a good prophet, a good teacher. But that's it. That's a false. That's false. That's not what scriptures say. First John 2.22 says this. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. Philip came up to Jesus one day and said, Jesus, um, show us the Father. Show us the Father. And Jesus says, haven't I been with you for, you know, a while now? You know, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is God. So when you talk to a person, if they don't say Jesus is God, if they play down the importance of his death, burial, and resurrection, they're a false teacher. Now, some people, like the, the Church of Mormon, they, they might say, well, Jesus is a God, small g, but you're a God too. And if you live the right way, you can be just like Jesus. Well, that's also wrong teaching. Test number two. Does this teacher preach the gospel? Does he preach the gospel? The gospel is defined as the good news concerning Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, we often read this passage when we have communion. Lord willing, we're hoping to have communion next week in a safe way. We've hesitated because of COVID. But next week, and uh, Jim will give us some announcements later, we're hoping to have communion next week. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I pass on to you, as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. Because some people will go to a church today, and here's what they're going to hear. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. You know, it's true. God does love you. But that's not the complete gospel message. Or you might hear at a church today throughout our country, God wants us to feed the hungry. Let's go out and feed the hungry. Feed the hungry. You know what? That's fantastic. But that's not the whole gospel message. God wants you to be wealthy. Many people are here in the day. That, now, that's just not true. 
I mean, it's nice to be wealthy, <laughs> but we see in Scripture that that's not always the case. We have spiritual wealth, but might not be material wealth. It's, it's, it sounds good, but it's not the complete message. There might be some churches today that they never talk about sin, and they never talk about hell. Because those are uncomfortable topics. And they're afraid they might lose people in their congregation if they talk too much about sin or hell. That's not the complete gospel. And that's false teaching. Earlier this year, we went through the book of Galatians. And Galatians 1.7 said this. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. And at verse 9, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what um, was preached to you, a gospel than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. So Paul was very stern with making sure that you preach the whole gospel. Test number three. When you talk to someone, what is their final authority and source of truth? It should be the word of God. It should be the word of God. And don't add anything to the word of God. You shouldn't have any additions to the word of God. The Judaizers, as we mentioned back then, they wanted to add a lot of oral traditions and other Jewish laws that were added. They wanted to add that in. They said, Jesus is not enough. You have to have Jesus, and then you have to follow all these dietary laws and rules. You get some groups, I mentioned Mormonism. 200 or so years ago, Joseph Smith, he claims that he, it was revealed to him that he was visited by God in Jesus Christ and that he had a special revelation. And what was revealed to him was that all churches and their creeds were an abomination. And he was to set out to restore true Christianity and to claim his church to be the only true church. So he put together the Book of Mormon, another book called Doctrine and Covenants, and then another book called The Pearl of Great Price. So for a Mormon, it's the Bible, but the Bible's not enough. You have to read the Book of Mormon and this pamphlet, in this pamphlet. If anybody comes to you, there should be a, a major red flag. If anybody is trying to add anything to the word of God. Now, it's difficult. It, it's, at times, it's very difficult to identify false prophets. They're, they're very deceiving. You know, 2 Corinthians tells us that Satan masquerades as an angel of light in 2 Corinthians 11, 14. And in the next verse, his ministers masquerade as servants of righteousness. They're very persuasive. 
It's interesting that a number of false religions were starting in the 1800s, and one of the reasons given, they said our country went through a time where people were experiencing Christianity, but they weren't into the word, and they were deceived easily by false teachers because they did not know God's word. But false teachers are very deceptive. There's a story about a factory that was losing a lot of parts from the factory every day. So they hired a security guard to stand at the gate. And at the end of the day, as the people left the factory, his job was to make sure nothing got taken out. So one day, the first day, a janitor came out with a wheelbarrow filled with dirt and debris. And the security guard was a little suspicious. So he asked the janitor, what's under all the dirt? And the janitor said, nothing. I was cleaning. Security guard said, dump the dirt out. I want to check. So the janitor dumped the dirt out, and there was nothing in it. So the security guard said, okay, go on. The next day, the same thing happened. He's watching everybody come out. Here comes the janitor. More to drink dirt. Dump it out. You know, yesterday you were trying to fool me. Today you're taking something. So he dumped it out. Again, empty. This went on for two weeks. Every day he made the guy dump out dirt. There was nothing there. After two weeks, they took an inventory of the plant. Nothing was missing except for 10 wheelbarrows. Deception, right? Deception. And false teachers can be like that. They can be very, very deceiving. For further studies, we don't have time, but further studies um, on false teaching, if you take in the notes. We, we did go through the book of Galatians earlier this year, but the book of uh, 2 Peter, uh, the book of 1 John, 2 John and Jude. And I hope to go through the book of Jude, Lord willing, after we get done with the book of Titus. We'll be going through a series on small books like the book of Philemon, the book of Jude, and so on. But bringing this message to a conclusion, only by being thoroughly familiar with God's word will we be able to recognize false teachers when they come our way? We need to continue to study the Bible daily as an individual, as the church, and be good Bereans and examine the scriptures. 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. We know the truth by God's word. And we need to be in God's word daily. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Dear Lord, we know in the last days you warned us 
that many false teachers would rise up to deceive, to attempt to deceive even the elect. And we know that there's many false teachers out there today. Unfortunately, there's many churches out there today that are not preaching the whole gospel. Lord, I pray that Berean Bible would always be a church that proclaims truth, the truth of your word, that we would always proclaim the whole gospel of your son. So, Lord, I pray, I pray that each day that we'd be found in your word. And I pray, Lord, I pray that you would protect us from the evil one. Lord, we thank you just for our brothers and sisters in the Lord this morning, and I pray that you would continue to encourage us. We know that life is hard, 2020, a year that we will never forget. And Lord, there's been so much turmoil and division, sickness, and as we have witnessed this week, even death. So, Lord, protect us, keep us strong as a church body, and, Lord, I pray that we would receive our strength from you, that you would just uh, direct us through this year. Lord, we, we do have so much to be thankful for as we head into the Thanksgiving season. Despite everything that's gone on, we can still count our blessings every day. And we can see so much that you have done. So we thank you and we, we, we praise your name this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.